This is AgriPulse Open Mic, brought to you by DuPont. Together, we can feed the world. DuPont commits 60% of its R&D dollars towards this goal. From working with farmers and growers around the world to help them increase crop yields, to developing a wide range of packaging materials that enable food to be transported without spoilage, we're working every day to get more good food to more people. Providing for the needs of a growing population will help developing countries prosper and foster economic growth around the world. Welcome to the Global Collaboratory. And now, AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm in Kenroot. I'm talking to the Iowa Secretary of Agriculture and the current president of the National Association of State Departments of Agriculture, Bill Northey. Now, if you don't think Bill is a farmer secretary, he's in his field today trying to get the crop planted. Bill, how's the progress in northwest Iowa? Well, we're back in the field. Uh, in, in Iowa, we have about 64% planted as of last Monday. Um, I, there's certainly been some progress, and in our area, uh, uh, we're just getting going again. Hopefully, by the time most folks listen to this, I'll be done. I have about three-quarters of my corn. I would say you're kind of pleased to have some moisture out in your part of the state. That was the driest area of the Corn Belt for quite some time. We are. Uh, we were very, very dry. Uh, we got uh, four inches over about a week period. Um and about three days later, we were planting corn through some of our normally very wet areas that were powder dry. Uh, since then, we've got about another three inches. Our tiles are starting to run now. Um, we probably are, are on the dry side of normal, but, but at least we have a lot more moisture now to be able to get us through a lot of this. Mr. Secretary, let me speak to you about your position as the president of NASDA and the farm legislation that has passed the Senate Ag Committee, uh, it's gotten a lot of changes in it, quite a bit of austerity to it, cutbacks in revenue. Uh, did it align with the goals of your organization? Well, I, I think generally it did. And, and we engage in a little bit of the, the big issues that uh, folks look at, but we look at some of the other pieces. We look at the, the way the federal government works with uh, State Department of Ag and the programs that we share uh, and work together on animal health issues, research, uh, making sure that, that there's meat inspections, those kinds of things. Most of those things, I think, turned out the way that, that we would expect them to. The big picture things, the things that a lot of farmers and a lot of agriculture look, look at, I think people thought turned out the way things um, really people expected. Direct payments were expected to go away, uh, and, and those are certainly a lot of dollars out there. For Iowa, uh, the direct payments are about um, a half a billion dollars a year, $500 million a year, so so that's a significant change. But it's happening at a time where, where crop prices are better than what they used to be, and so that certainly can be absorbed, um, although obviously we're looking at lower corn prices as well than, than what we have now. but. But I think people expected that, and especially in this time when we have really tight budgets in, in Washington. Mr. Secretary, regarding this farm bill, conservation seems to be an area that uh, could definitely have uh, less incentives for the farmer, but yet no less importance. 
How do you think it's going to play out for the conservation portion of this bill? But I, there has been talk, and in, in, in what the Senate bill did was to bind some of the existing programs, take a few dollars away as well. I, I don't think we necessarily know how that's going to play out or understand. Uh, the previous programs each kind of had a single priority. They were easy to figure out, and then Congress allocated the money between those different programs, so therefore the priorities. Now those priorities are lumped into um, a few less programs, and so those priorities within those programs will have to battle out a little bit. Uh, so, so we'll see how that plays out. Obviously, there's rules that have to be written. There's differences between regions. Um, some of our states, we work very closely with NRCS and those conservation programs. Others, it's other parts of state government uh, that does it other than Department of Agriculture. I still do think that, that farmers want to put conservation on the ground. They're, they're very much looking forward to some kinds of cost-share programs while, um, as you say, I think uh, we'll run into the limits of those cost-share programs earlier in the year um, compared to the past. So that, in addition to maybe some water quality requirements or some opportunities to be able to address water quality concerns with some of those conservation dollars, I think will put a real challenge and it'll make us seem like we don't have enough dollars to do some of the conservation we'd like to do. Well, since you bring up water quality, let me turn to that, not just as an Iowa issue, but as an issue of everybody whose agricultural land drains into a waterway that could be regulated by EPA. Are you feeling that the EPA's pressure on agriculture is going to continue to ramp up to where that major water quality initiatives will have to be put in place to keep farming the land? You know, it, it sure feels that way. It's sure been moving that way. We watch examples in other parts of the country, Chesapeake Bay, Florida. Uh, we see some lawsuits that are out there. There's some environmental groups uh, that are suing EPA that may force them to do that. Of course, depending on what happens to those lawsuits, there's, uh, I guess, a couple different things that could happen. One is those lawsuits could go away. Judges could say there's no basis to them. Uh, another is they could be settled. Uh, between the environmental groups and EPA, um, and therefore the environmental groups getting some of the things that they'd like, um, probably causing some real issues. That's what happened in Florida. Uh, or their losses could go all the way to, to the end and be decided uh, pro or con on EPA and whether we have voluntary practices, state-driven practices, uh, or whether we have mandatory practices and in practices that are driven by EPA, uh, numeric standards that uh, require certain things. Uh, and frankly, we don't really have the science in, in most areas to be able to achieve. Uh, so that's a fairly intimidating prospect and uh, certainly grabbing a lot of attention by the farm groups as well as states out there. Uh, these lawsuits uh, quietly are a very, very big item. Uh, in future uh, environmental policy in this country. We're talking to the Iowa Secretary of Agriculture, Bill Northey, on AgriPulse Open Mic. Bill is the president of the National Association of State Departments of Agriculture. Um, in his own state, uh, he's endured an attack on food uh, through social media. And, Bill, since I've known you, you've always looked for the best way to communicate, and 
you have been among the leaders on using social media to communicate, but did you ever think that something like Pink Slime, the uh, name for lean, finely textured beef, could do so much damage to the product being distributed uh, and propagated through social media? No, you really seems like people would, uh, it, it, a lot of things can be said in 140 characters or on a Facebook page, um, but my expectation is people are going to check those things out before you believe them for fact. Um, that doesn't mean that those aren't great ways to raise some consciousness, um, and uh, I think if anybody checks out uh, what they call pink slime or lean, finely textured beef, they come back and say, this is perfectly good product that should be used and a great use of uh, finding some extra beef on every one of those carcasses. But, but folks didn't go to step two. Uh, they just went to step one and started uh, calling folks and, and causing problems. And now we have plants that are closed and folks that lost their jobs, beef carcasses that uh, will be worth less. You know, I, I think there are probably some of the folks that engage in that that are that maybe were tricked into it. Some of the folks that promoted it maybe felt like they understood it, um, uh, but from my perspective, didn't. Um, and I think some of the folks uh, that probably participated in that were uh, trying to go after agriculture, trying to damage agriculture. Uh, and in this case, they were successful. Uh, I think it does agriculture itself and all of us in it have to look at what do we do to counter those arguments uh, our audience sometimes is is uh, less or in a different place than some of the audience of the folks that are using their social media to, to go after agriculture. And, and we have to look and be more prepared for the next time around. Interestingly, at the same time, we had our fourth case of BSE in this country, and it hardly made a blip on the radar except for bringing the cattle market down some, and then it recovered the next day. Do you find it an oddity that something that truly was a concern, especially back in the 1990s in Britain and in this country in 2003 and beyond, this time through didn't even cause really any of an uproar among consumers? Well, I certainly uh, believe a lot of folks were like we were when we first heard that this was a possibility and just coming off the uh, lean, finely textured beef controversy, it felt like a real vulnerability the scenario was different um, because everybody found out about it at the same time uh, that the folks in agriculture and government could put it in context so that people could know about it. And maybe this doesn't even have quite the ring to it um, anymore that a pink slime uncertainty kind of terminology has. Uh, so that so it played very different, and, and maybe that's part of the lesson in in how we react um, and how we counter. Uh, those things that get started uh, in other places in other ways and how quickly we respond to those um, compared to something like this that came out in a flash um, and, as you say, almost immediately was accepted and understood. Uh, at least there was a controversy that damaged the people. I have to tell you there is one more on the way. You may find this humorous in its own way, although if it gets too broad, Fred, it may not be. Yesterday I was at a meeting discussing the uh, challenges of weed resistance, and uh, there is a publication on the Internet now 
that is trying to oppose any new biotech crops from being uh, uh, approved, and they have referred to the 2,4-D-resistant corn as Agent Orange corn. Yeah, the the ease of... There certainly can be very good communicators in trying to raise concerns from folks. They don't call it, um, you know, your front yard wheat killer um, corn because 2,4-D is what most household product has in it to kill dandelions in front yards. Um, but but Agent Orange has this aura that uh, if it was if there was any connection to that, therefore that must be uh, obviously evil. So so great communicators. Uh, we have to counter these. Um, I think uh, folks will. Some folks will be concerned. Um, some folks are already opposed to biotechnology. Uh, it's it's interesting that they oppose products, the use of products that uh, that it might be cause weeds to be resistant to products they would never use anyway. Um, and but they certainly have the potential of taking some potential tools out of farmers' pockets. Mr. Secretary, I want to thank you for taking time away from planting. You could have probably gotten a couple of acres in during the time you have talked to us today, but. Uh, May you be safe, and may you get finished before the next rain and get back to your post in Des Moines and as the president of the NASNA organization. Thank you. Thank you, Ken. Great to be with you.